0: After midnight, Monday, March fourteenth, two thousand twenty-two, Jesse Smollett's attacker is finally behind bars. Paul Runyon, and you're listening to the Midnight Ride podcast. Any reaction to that?
1: Well, I mean, I so Jesse Smollett's attacker is Jesse Smollett. So wait, what? <laughs> so he's behind bars for attacking himself, apparently, right? I mean, are is that? I've always wondered what what would happen if I were sent to jail for hurting myself. Like, how does that even work? I don't know. We'll have to talk. Maybe we can get Jesse on the show to talk about. Is he suicidal, by the way? (laughs) There's been some controversy
0: around that. Bizarre. That was bizarre. His little rant. If any of you haven't heard this, uh, you just saw that that he's got, you know, 150 days in Cook County jail. He on his way out the courtroom and actually when asked if he had anything to say, he took off his mask. I think he was the only one in the courtroom that was masked and said, I'm not suicidal. I didn't do this. If anything happens to me in there. I mean, he was basically foreshadowing another hoax, right? I mean, so he's basically going to say that somebody beat him up. and
1: Well, maybe he'll make some close friends in there, you know, in the shower. He
0: very likely will. <laughs> yeah, about 147 more days in the gulag for, for Jesse. But that's not what we wanted to talk about. Today, we actually have something a little bit more current and a little bit more troubling, Paul. And I want to talk about what we talked about at the end of last week, which is the Florida Parental Rights and Education Bill, which was passed by the state legislature.
1: You know what's the shame about that bill? Is now that, you know, I am in Florida, I won't say where, but I'm somewhere. And now I'm going to have to teach my kids at home about how to transition. I was very worried about that. And Now the school's not allowing it, so because that doesn't every parent want to teach their kid about being transgender? This is a real conundrum. Real conundrum.
0: Yeah, this topic so enrages me. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, I can't even laugh at at that. How does someone not laugh at Paul Runyon's jokes? We have a lot, actually. A a listener from South Dakota hit us up on uh, on our Twitter DM, and we we are at Midnight Ride Pod, and said, "I got to meet this Runyon. The guy guy is hilarious." So, yeah, I mean... Where was it? Do do we know where that
1: listener is?
0: Yeah, South Dakota, somewhere.
1: So maybe we'll have to do a tour.
0: I think, you know, our first remote should be, you know, up at Mount Rushmore or up in the Black Hills somewhere. I think that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Maybe we can get Christy Nome on as a guest. I think that would be awesome. I actually uh, met her a few months ago, and uh, she's everything like you see on TV, just really unassuming and down to earth. And probably... Getting ready to talk to her legislature about passing a law like Florida just passed. Let's get back to this. Florida passed a law called Parental Rights in Education that basically states that grades K through three, we're talking about children ages four to eight, it makes it a crime basically to teach these children anything related to sexual orientation or gender ideology. was the gender identity, right? Which is basically. Which essentially, now if you read that language closely, gender
1: orientation or sexual orientation, gender identity, that doesn't necessarily just ban like gay or transgender. That's essentially saying no sex ed for kids until after the age of eight, which I don't see how that's, I mean, is that really a problem? I mean, I don't, I mean, when do you really teach the kids
0: the birds and the bees? That's not till after eight anyway the left has gone apoplectic over this they have first of all they have their media lapdogs have gone into full-blown propaganda mode stating calling this the don't say gay bill you could also call it the don't say straight bill as you pointed out you're not allowed to discuss anything related to heterosexual lifestyles or the idea that you are a boy and you you could change to a girl or or vice versa, but you're also not allowed to discuss heterosexual lifestyle.
1: It's essentially, you know, no kind of sex ed. I guess they could discuss anatomy and those kinds of things.
0: But they don't in those grades. They they really don't.
1: Yeah, and I just don't... See, I mean, you're at the age at that point where you're really trying to learn arithmetic, grammar, maybe geography, some social studies, science maybe. But But why are they going to get into this sort of like... Political discussion. I just don't even think it's relevant. And then I start seeing these corporations. I see Disney is now coming out against it and they're pausing political donations. What is the big deal? And why? I feel like the Democrats are blowing this so out of proportion just to sort of like once again just focus their base
0: on these wedge issues, you know, without addressing reality. That's a great point. They are desperate to get voters energized because. Democrats go to the gasoline pumps, they go to the grocery stores, and any sentient human being with an IQ above room temperature knows that Joe Biden bears the lion's share of the blame for the economic malaise and and the quality of life of normal Americans taking a massive hit.
1: Yeah, but with your description of the sentient people with a certain IQ, you've essentially removed the entire Democratic base.
0: Yes. That's a good point. (laughs) Independence and people who, you know, might have classified themselves as a never Trumper, et cetera. I mean, these people are going to be going back to the Republicans in November. So you've really got to try to energize folks. And that's what they're doing. They're desperate to use this. And so they have their media minions going out and pushing this idea that don't say gay. And you saw parents unhinged you know, singing gay, 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 and it's ridiculous when you read the legislation and then you see how easily these people are manipulated. You talk about Disney—that is a corporation—and I, I love, I love Ron DeSantis. You know, Governor Ron DeSantis. It was probably his idea to pass this legislation because, by the way,
1: his name seems to come up on every Midnight Ride episode, doesn't it? Ron DeSantis and Madison Cawthorn, somehow their names come up on every single Midnight Ride episode, which is a good thing. I don't mind it. I love the two. I love both of them. I could do without Cawthorn, but DeSantis <laughs> is the guy. He's like, the, hey, don't say that. We want him on the show. So Madison if, you're, Madison, if you're out there, Connor didn't mean that.
0: Well, Congressman, I whether I meant it or not, we do want you on the show. And you know what? You are a leader in the state of North Carolina and our nation. So hit us up. But yeah, Ron DeSantis is—he has been so pro-business and so pro-parent, and this legislation is the intersection between the two because Disney CEO, probably under pressure from some of their quote-unquote cast members, came out and and basically made a statement that, that he didn't want this legislation. You know, this legislation was not well thought out; that it may make LGBT people feel. I don't have his exact statement. Do you have it? I'll look it up. But what I will say
1: is when you talk about the Disney cast members, I hear that they're, you know, they've got a lot of cast members apparently in what is it? Jingjiang, Zhang, Yinjiang Province. Yeah, is that where their cast members are? Well <laughs>
0: they have a lot
1: and certain can they have camps set up for them there, don't they?
0: They they have a lot of cast members who are, shall we say, living off the land in, in Jinjiang province making Disney princess wands for 12 cents a day. And yeah, so that was the hypocrisy that DeSantis pointed out. And and I think, you know, after the statement, I guess it's not really important exactly what he said, but the Disney CEO under pressure from the left and some of, maybe some of his own employees came out and denounced this legislation, which merely states that children cannot be taught about sexual orientation or gender identity. These are five-year-olds and the CEO of Disney coming out against that. And Ron DeSantis said, hey, look, you know, we're going to remain being the most pro-business state in the union. But I find it ironic that the company that all of these millions of people who come to my state, come to Orlando, go to Disney World, go to Epcot Center, go to all these parks that, and Disney has about five parks up in uh, central Florida. This company is now essentially promoting teaching your kids that if they're a girl, they can be a boy. And I think that's a great job of, of Governor DeSantis of pointing out what Disney is essentially advocating. They are.
1: And it's not only that, but it's why Disney is trying to make this decision for all of the parents of Florida. I don't quite understand. I mean, this it's a sensitive subject that parents should be discussing with their kids privately as they see fit in how they want to raise their children. I've been looking here for the governor's response. It is so funny how the media algorithms, I'm on Google News trying to look to find the (laughs) response. All I can find is how Disney's opposed to it. I'm even typing in like DeSantis response, Disney, and all it's Disney, and and all the headlines that come up are anti-DeSantis.
0: It's crazy. There's like quotes from the
1: Lincoln Project. Do you believe know the Lincoln Project's now involved in this?
0: I can't believe they even come up. I mean, who gives a, a rat's ass what, it, what they say? Exactly. And yet I can't even find... This is a governor of like the fourth large, third largest state in the union, and you can't even get his statement. And this is... The first article that comes up is The Guardian.
1: And all they talk about is, all they do is give one-sided statements. So you've got uh, Lauren Book, they bring her in. She's the minority leader in the, in the state Senate who's talking about how this harms the LGBTQ+. Then there's a Lincoln, part, a Lincoln Project quote saying, the weird hypocrisy of Florida politics right now is DeSantis has been happy to take Disney's money, but to pass a bill that's anathema to the values of their customers and their institutions, said Rick Wilson of the Lincoln Project. Wait, I'm a Disney customer. There's a billion people in China that are just Disney customers. I'd really like to know how many Disney customers really want to be teaching transgenderism to five-year-olds.
0: No, it's it's utter hypocrisy and but you bring up a good point. I mean this this uh, Miss Book who who makes this statement. I'm not sure that LGBTQ people are hurt by this. If you are a 30-year-old transgender female, in other words, a 30-year-old guy who thinks he's a woman and and undergoes some sort of transition or likes to wear women's clothes, what do you care about a five-year-old not being taught about straight or gay? I mean, why would you even care about that? It doesn't make any sense except for- it's not condemning that lifestyle. It's not saying anything bad about it. Certainly, these ki- these kids in grades four through twelve may come to a realization on their own. It has nothing to do with adults and that lifestyle.
1: Exactly, and I don't, and it doesn't have anything to do with kids either. With kids. I mean, either necessarily. It's just sort of establishing curriculum, but they're piling on and this is how they do it. It's they, they like to get the news cycle and they're used, they're trying to get people riled up. Obviously, DeSantis has a lot of support in Florida. I think the latest polls have him up 11 points in his reelection. So he's not, the Democrats are really facing a whole. Let's talk about Florida politics for a second in regard to this. The Democrats haven't won statewide office in Florida in 30 years. They haven't had a governor. I think they have the agriculture secretary. That's about it. But they haven't won. And she's running for governor, right? Yeah, she's running for governor. But the the governor, the lieutenant governor, the senators, all been Republicans now for a long time. And they seem to be getting more and more Republican. And it just feels like the Democratic Party's grasping at straws here. And I don't think this is going to get them anywhere. And I don't think that, I don't think Desantis cares that Disney is pausing political contributions.
0: It may not get them anywhere in the state of Florida, but nationally, this has become a huge issue for them. It distracts away within that base about the economic disaster that the Biden administration has brought to a lot of their constituents, and gets them energized. And they're making a gamble on this, and it is a gamble. You know how we have these teenage or young activists on Twitter, guys like Kyle Kashuv, who was up there at the school in in Fort Lauderdale, that there were two students at that school where they had that very tragic mass shooting a few years back. Yeah, that was Parkland Elementary. Two Parkland students that went on to become Twitter advocates, one on the left and one on the right. There's a new guy out there uh, named Jack Cochurella. He's a leftist. It's a great, uh, basically, couple of tweets that he did because Disney came out and said, after they criticized this parental rights and education bill, they said, we are not going to make political contributions anymore in Florida. Did you see that? I did.
1: I don't think, was it political contributions, period, or was it political contributions to people that supported that bill?
0: No, it was period, right? So Jack Cocharella. I'm not going to give you his his Twitter handle, but he's one of these leftist activists. He tweets out, breaking, Disney is pausing all political donations in Florida. Keep up the pressure. Keep saying gay, rainbow flag emoji. About 45 minutes later, he tweets out, this isn't good enough. Disney shouldn't donate to any Republican who voted for the don't say gay bill. We must keep up the pressure. Then he comes out later and tweets out, hey, wait a minute. Can someone ask the Disney, four hours later, can someone ask the Disney CEO why they paused donations to Florida Democrats? We're standing up for students, democracy, and a woman's right to, quote, choose. Does he have a problem with that? So basically, Disney stopped donating to all candidates within Florida. And at first, some of these leftists were, were laughing about that, thinking it was stopping d- donations to to Republicans. It probably is mostly Republicans, because as you pointed out, doesn't make sense to hedge your bets on a, on a losing horse, but that apparently they have stopped donations to all candidates in Florida. This whole
1: episode is crazy. I think it's fine that Disney did that. The reality is they're a corporation. They gave in to pressure from ma- a mob on social media, which is obviously a very small minority, and we're actually going to talk about that later in the show. Yeah, it's going to be a great topic. But they... You know,
0: it's just typical corporate hypocrisy. And you live in Florida. You have children that are in this K through three, as do I. Have you taken them to Disney World or Disney somewhere?
1: I have. My son loves Star Wars. So, how many times have you gone there?
0: Uh, Probably like five or six times. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, my daughter has gone, okay, three times.
1: (laughs) Honestly, for where you live, three times is more impressive. Then my going six times considering I am a, I can drive there.
0: Well, no, but I used to live within driving distance of, of a Disney property. All three of those were during those times. But I have an older daughter who I used to take for her birthday and Christmas every year. It's the magic of Disney. You could say what you want about their woke politics. And, and I have, you know, I didn't go see the the Mulan remake number 1 cuz i love the original but also because of the hypocrisy but the kids they love these characters my youngest loves minnie mouse but we as americans and as conservatives we look at this and we look at them coming out against a law which is designed to prevent the grooming of our children by pedophiles the grooming of our children to this radical gender theory which is can be devastating to the lives of kids and disney's coming out against that It's like, do we ever go back? In other news, next Sunday, I am going to Disneyland in California. (laughs) How are you identifying that day when you go? (laughs) It's for my daughter. She's in first grade, she wants to go, but I'm really conflicted. I think a lot of parents are.
1: Honestly though, I'm not conflicted because I just want to have a good time with the kids. I see sort of, there's two worlds going on here. One is like this social media war over these issues. And then the other one is just what you see in here with your own eyes. And you go to Disney, you just have a good time. I don't, I've been there a bunch of times. I don't, I don't, I'm not getting hit with like woke ideology the whole time when I'm there, you know, I don't see like non-binary Disney staff trying to lure my children into a brainwashing session at, at, you know,
0: at, at, uh, the minute that happens, the minute there's a transgender char- character in Toy Story 5 or whatever, the minute I see something like that, I'm, I'm probably going to have to pull the plug.
1: Yeah, I would I would fully agree with you. But right now, I think it's, I'm happy to take the kids there. I'm not one to I feel like if you get into this, I'm going to boycott Disney because of this. You're almost as bad as the leftists. It's just, just do what's best for your own life. Don't get so Don't govern your whole life around politics, unless they
0: go too far that it does start to impact. But the power of some of these corporations, and you just hit on it, trying to do a Google search about a piece of legislation that's about to pass in Florida. I think it'll pass this week if it hasn't already. That's The internet and the marketplace of ideas is controlled by a few corporations and a few individuals. Disney is one of the most powerful corporations in the world with the soft power they have the ability to influence so many young minds and older minds uh, they own a lot of news companies they own espn they own a lot of things and um they're very powerful so i if you're listening to this right now and you're boycotting disney as a result of this you have my full support you can call me a hypocrite or you can call me weak i'm gonna take my daughter uh, next weekend but we'll tape the show before <laughs> but uh At a very minimum, Paul, we need to speak out. I mean, Disney's responding to a small vocal minority. Maybe us conservatives need to tell Disney, hey, you're on the wrong side of this issue. We definitely
1: should. I think we should 100%. And I think by supporting the bill and by having this bill pass in Florida, no matter what Disney does, is showing our support. And and I think what's amazing about it is that it shows that these huge corporations can't influence politics as much as they think they can.
0: I still don't understand why. I watch a lot of sports. I saw an ad for Adidas the other day that openly promoted men competing in women's sports. I don't understand why these corporations are pushing so hard on this. Does it really help their bottom line that much? I don't think it does at all. But what I can tell you is that I think in their marketing departments,
1: they're full of 23, 24-year-olds that have gone to had studied gender studies at Oberlin or uh, gone or and learned about and been brainwashed sort of in the universities and are now trying to bring that right into the schools. And I think these CEOs are essentially scared of these
0: internal revolts. I buy a lot of athletic shoes and my last pair was Adidas but I'm done with them. I hope I hope American consumers do the same. And, and you know, I, I would like to see Disney suffer as a result of this as well, even though I'm going to cave in at least one more time. Gotta shift the subject to something that is a little bit more troubling, which is the ongoing war in Ukraine. When we come back, Paul, what is going on? What are we seeing playing out on our news? Do we really know what's actually happening? We'll talk about that when we come back on The Midnight Ride. We're all devastated by the images that we're seeing on our TV screen of hospitals, maternity wards being blown up, pregnant women being carried out on stretchers with wounds from shrapnel, etc. All of the devastation, Russians being killed, Ukrainians being killed. It's completely tragic, and that's, that's the understatement of the century. But we also talked last week in our wagging the dog episode about how convenient this is for our own elites to conceal or or distract from the abject failures of this administration, economically, et cetera, and distract from many different issues. I did not see any news coverage at all about the omnibus spending bill that needed to be passed, but last week, a $1.5 trillion spending bill was passed, and I believe in there was $14 billion earmarked for the people of Ukraine. And there's a, that's a lot of money, Paul.
1: Yep, $14 billion. Also in that bill was over 7,000 earmarks, which have made a comeback into our Congress after a brief hiatus with Chuck Schumer leading the way with a number of earmarks in there. So we'll have to talk about that on another episode. But, but this bill itself, all of this money going to Ukraine and the people of Ukraine, even more than the administration asked for. What's troubling to me about what's happening is that, We're hearing so many stories of different viewpoints, different aspects of what's happening. But there's a narrative out there being pushed by the media, and we don't even know what the reality is of what's happening on the ground. So let me say one thing. Vladimir Putin, war criminal. What he's doing is terrible. Murderer. Complete murderer. I will say that unequivocally. But I'm also going to say that the West is not exactly doing an amazing job managing this crisis either. And I don't think the media is necessarily telling the truth as to what's going on. And there's definitely both sides to a story, um, no matter what
0: it is. What can we agree on? Can we agree? I'll just ask some questions and and you tell me if you agree with the following statements. Vladimir Putin has had designs on Ukraine for some time and wanted to bring it back under the umbrella of the Russian Federation. Can we agree on that?
1: Agree with conditions.
0: Let's talk about that, because that's what the narrative is, right? Yeah. We're supposed to accept the version of facts that's being put out by the Biden administration. A couple episodes ago, we talked about what we thought at the time, and I I still sort of believe that the Biden administration, the intelligence community, the White House very deftly revealed what they believe to be Putin's plan. And. Putin kept sending troops to the border. He kept saying, I have no intentions to invade. But then there was some sort of nuclear exercise. And then the next day they did invade. I mean, it seems like the Biden administration, every step of the way, has exposed the naked aggression of Russia and some of their aims. Let's not forget that in 2014, they did invade Ukraine and they seized the Crimea.
1: They did. Let's talk a little bit about your question, though, right? Now, is it as simple of a argument that Putin just wants to restore the old Russian empire, almost like some Dr. Evil in a Hollywood script? Or is there an alternative argument there that he was just very worried about NATO continuing to expand to the east and him being scared that with NATO encroaching too closely that he needed to have some sort of buffer and that, in other words, he's trying to sort of protect Russia's interests there that's not why he was going into Ukraine but that he was very worried so I think it's a little bit more complicated than just saying he's this evil maniacal person that wants to restore
0: wants to restore the Russian Empire of old you know the more I think about it and I'm a podcast host I study history a lot I'm, I'm almost ashamed to say that argument does hold water let's go back to the 1930s and you know we've been hearing a lot uh, about Nazis in Ukraine and and everybody's saying this is a false narrative and and I agree that with that. But Nazi Germany didn't they seize Czechoslovakia? Didn't they seize Poland back in the nineteen thirties? They certainly did. They invaded
1: all of those countries. They also invaded the Soviet Union and and twenty five million Russians lost their lives in that war.
0: Yeah. So that was the enemy of the time. Russia has a history of being invaded from the west and having millions upon millions tens of millions of their citizens slaughtered in these wars. So one thing about world leaders, especially the, the Russians and the Chinese, they have a long memory and they they study history unlike our people. So when Putin sees as a younger man as a as a person serving his country in the KGB, I believe it was, and then the FSB, he sees the fall of the Soviet Union and Soviet republics like Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania, Ukraine, and Warsaw Pact countries like Poland, embracing the West and NATO starts expanding out and inviting all those countries into NATO and positioning very sophisticated weapons systems in some of those countries the best military in the world, that of the United States and other strong NATO militaries like the United Kingdom and others training with inside some of those countries, it has to make him a little nervous. And apparently it did. It did. And I don't, whether that justifies
1: an invasion or not, I don't think so. I mean, I don't, killing all these innocent people is terrible. So, but what we have to learn is to be students of history and to look at things from different people's perspectives.
0: So I will concede Paul. So you're right. You got me to think about this and I will concede that Russia has a right to be concerned about a, their competitors or their enemies, if you want to call them that expanding eastward to within hundreds of miles of their own borders and potentially potentially, bordering them and they don't
1: exactly but now let's not push that one too far because look we don't have and the us i don't think has any we would never want to invade russia right so it's like it's we look at this and we're like why russia's stupid why do they even think that like we're not going to invade them but you have to look at it from their own perspective of having that happen in the past
0: you know I'm, i'm sure hitler and germans were saying we don't want to invade russia
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. So it's like you just don't know where, where the future leads. And frankly, how much do we really know about the motivations of some of these governments? Well, I know
1: that's another piece, right? I So we can talk about sanctions. And you know, what I can ask you as a question, and maybe you can give me your answer on this is, do you agree or disagree that ratcheting up of sanctions indefinitely is an appropriate
0: means of deterrence for the Russians? That is a very good question. Here's what I believe. I believe that the Biden administration correctly, although I, I didn't like the fact the teenager that was operating the White House Twitter account over the weekend tweeted out something like, we will not commit one troop because war with Russia would mean World War III. First of all, I don't want the teenagers running President Biden's Twitter account to, to mention World War Three ever. And I also think that by saying that you're not going to use troops, you take away a deterrent factor. Diplomacy was always the way to go, but they weren't willing to make certain concessions. And I think that these sanctions, Putin had to factor this in, right? I mean, all of the things that the White House said he was going to do, it didn't stop him from doing it. So he went in anyway, knowing he was going to be sanctioned. They keep going further. Now American corporations are getting into that who benefits from this? We are driving Russia into the arms of the Chinese. And if you push somebody too far back into a corner, then that's when they may have no choice but to go to, to a more drastic, you know, measure. I mean, it- we're essentially putting Russia into a spot where they have
1: literally nothing to lose because they're already losing everything. If you go back to World War One and many people say that the versailles agreements that ended world war 1 is actually what caused world war 2 without a doubt so when germany was when germany was defeated at the end of world war 1 the sanctions the removal from the essential complete international order and system essentially isolated germany so much that it made the country ripe for somebody like adolf hitler to come up it put in the minds Put in the minds of, of all of the Germans that look what the rest of the world did to us. It's all their fault. Now, the most of the Russian public are not seeing all of the information. They're essentially being told that all of these sanctions, the U S is now hurting them. You know how we, how the media here loves to say Putin's inflation, Putin's gas price increases, all of that. That's sort of like the word of the day now from the left. Well, in Russia, you're essentially hearing. The Americans are causing you to lose all of your money and isolate Russia. And where do you think this leads? Then you've got the leader of Poland saying that these sanctions should be in place for 10 to 15
0: years. Well, you have the leader of Poland saying, let's attack Russia. Yeah. Before this thing started. But you're absolutely right. The Versailles agreement and the way that Germans were impoverished, the way that they lost land, they lost stature they were international pariahs they were not allowed i mean this is a proud country a country that economically is a very a strong power and has a lot of great scientists and academics the way that they were made to feel enraged all germans to the point where a you know former prussian army corporal could sound the right tunes and get an entire nation behind a regiment of genocide and and world war. And I think you contrast that with what we did after World War II. We were attacked. We, meaning the West, was attacked by Adolf Hitler and by the Emperor of Japan. And the Germans, they committed genocide. They killed 4 million people. The Japanese, you look at what they did to China and Manchuria, all of the atrocities that they did. And yet, The United States largely rebuilt both of those countries instead of, you know, making them pariahs, they embraced them, rebuilt them and added them into the world order. And And as a result of that, their people enjoyed prosperity and they and peace
1: and peace. And then they, in fact, saw, well, wait, wait, this this is actually pretty good, right? So now the Russian people are going to be horrible economy. No one can get their money out. Their lives are essentially ruined. Um, I know it's, you know, it's great that we're going after the oligarchs and all that. I mean, I think that's a good idea. But but when you start harming the average Russian person and then the average Russian person begins to think, well, wait, the West did this. Yeah, that becomes a big issue. So
0: you know the goal here is to ds de- vladimir putin might be the least of our problems co- going down the road
1: yeah i mean if there's a coup against him who c- could somebody worse come up so we just have to think I-, I just feel like we're playing checkers and we're not looking at like what are the risks down the line here we need to find a way to deescalate this crisis and you know putin's got a big ego can we give him some sort of win in some area so he feels good so that he can stop the war i mean i don't understand you know we've got to find
0: some way to to end this because we are playing checkers and the person at the checker table is you know playing against a guy that that may be playing 4D chess but you've got our vice president over there in Poland and in other places and um we're not sending our best to represent us. Well, I don't know. She started laughing at some question about refugees or something. What was that all about? I don't. I guess when she gets nervous, she does that. So we we talked about Russia. Let's talk about Ukraine for a little bit clearly they are masters of theater and propaganda and, and obviously their president is a is a former actor he may be like a ronald reagan for the ukraine just a master communicator he's got the entire free world behind him he just got 14 billion us dollars infused into his economy while the rest of us were focused on the images coming out of the ukraine we weren't seeing what our Congress was doing with our tax dollars. He just got $14 billion. But you're starting to see some of the Trumpers and some of the hard right folks coming out against them. And I want to talk about two Congress people or one Congress person and one candidate for Congress and some of the statements that they made. These are, these are just two individuals, but you see this a lot now in some of the shall we say, far-right press. Your guy, not mine, Madison Cawthorn. (laughs) (laughs) Madison Cawthorn. Congressman Madison Cawthorn came out this week and said, Zelensky is a thug. Remember that the Ukrainian government is incredibly corrupt, no argument here, and is incredibly evil and has been pushing woke ideologies. Joe Kent, who's running, I think he's a former army colonel or lieutenant colonel or something. I think he was special forces, I think. Yeah. I I do like Joe Kent. I like a lot of his platform. He's running for the House 3rd District in the state of Washington. He stated Zelensky was installed via a U.S.-backed color revolution. His goal is to move his country west. So he virtue signals and woke ideology while using Nazi battalions to crush his enemies. He was also smart enough to cut our elite in on the graft. Madison Cawthorn nailed it. Uh, yes. Yeah, so that, well, that was Joe Kent, right? So this, but he said, he's saying Madison Cawthorn
1: nailed it. That was the last. So there's, let's take Joe Kent's statement there in a couple areas. Okay. Number one, us backed color evolution. I don't think there's any argument there. I don't even think that the Biden administration or Obama would argue that that was us backed.
0: I think it's sort of no. And we all supported those, right?
1: Yeah. I think it's, yeah, we all supported it. I think it's kind of a known fact. So that's a correct statement. I think the graft and the corruption. I think that's also a, a statement. I think everybody has sort of admitted that there's been a lot of corruption issues in Ukraine. Hunter Biden's involved in it directly, and I think everybody knows that at this point. But then I think they start to go off the rails with like the woke ideology and the Nazi battalions, and then Madison Cawthorn calling Vladimir Zelensky a thug. Like I don't necessarily agree with those statements. This is driving me. What's happening is both sides are going to such extremes that it's a, you can't even get like a real answer as to like what's going on anywhere.
0: In this day and age, and, and we don't do this, uh, other, other podcasts do, we try to find nuance and get to the, the actual truth. But the truth is the first casualty of war. I mean, in this day and age, only hyperbole can break through some of the stuff. So maybe that's what they're thinking on both sides. There was an interesting exchange that I also want to get to because this story is metastasizing and and growing out of control. Senator Marco Rubio, your senator, a guy I love. One of our favorite tweeters. One of our favorite statesmen and, and senators was questioning Victoria Nyland. I think she works in the State Department or something. Yeah, she's been in the State Department forever. I think she was one of, I think she
1: helped. She was one of the designers of the Libya War too, I think.
0: Yeah, she's definitely got some bad things on her resume but senator rubio asks i think to try to debunk a russian narrative are there chemical weapons does ukraine have chemical weapons and he was shocked to see victoria nyland come out and say well there there are some labs <laughs> in ukraine and uh, you know these were labs for research or something there's about 30 of them we're trying to uh, get our close these things down or keep them out of russian hands and that story is is growing legs, in certainly on Twitter, but I don't know what to believe anymore with, with some of this stuff. What is going on with these bio-research labs, or, or whatever the case may
1: be? The reality is, I don't think any of us know. There's no real issue here. I mean, you, the problem is, if you look at the media, though, it's all... The propaganda is crazy. So the New York Times theory uh, 10 hours ago, theory about U.S. funded bioweapons labs in Ukraine is unfounded. ABC News, China amplifies unsupported Russian claims (laughs) of Ukraine. uh, Biolabs, Washington Post, U.S. bioweapons labs in Ukraine claim is Russian disinformation. I, I yeah, whenever I hear these headlines, I start to worry Here's another one. Russia claims without evidence that the maternity hospital it bombed, which killed the child, was a Ukrainian militia base. That's Yahoo News Business Insider. So the news article, the news, the new the so-called media is now making into uh, is now turning into something that's um, that's just discussing, you know, it's making the decision for us. Right. So, we're hearing all over the map, you know, this is the extreme on the left wing media, right? When you hear
0: fact check, that automatically gets the hair standing up on the back of my neck. Fact check, Biden is not responsible for gas price increases. I mean, so when you have Washington Post, New York Times, who have completely obliterated their credibility in the last five, six years, now I'm starting to wonder what is the truth. I don't believe that the United States went to Ukraine of all places and said, this would be a good place to do some, you know, some research into biological weapons and chemical weapons. I I just don't believe it. I don't need the Washington Post to tell me that. But when they start, you know, stomping their feet and telling me that, it starts to, in my mind anyway, I don't know about you guys, but it, it, it starts to make me question if it is in fact true. Doesn't this sound a little bit like the lab leak theory of COVID? Very much
1: so. I mean, with the Wuhan lab, it was all the same thing. It was far right claiming without evidence that it was leaked from a lab, right? And all, and it was pounded, pounded, pounded that that was just disinformation, conspiracy theorists. And then all of a sudden, evidence comes out that it's potentially true. So we're not saying that anything is true, whether there is or is not a lab. But now Victoria Nuland averted that there was, you know, claimed that There may be a lab. And then you combine that with the media all saying unequivocally that that's disinformation. And you start to think, wait a second, haven't we been told this before? Haven't I heard this somewhere? And the leak in in Wuhan. So I start to worry, you know, what are we really believing? The fact is we don't know what's true. And the way I always look at this is, you know, you look at the Madison Cawthorns of the world all the way on and Joe Kent's all the way sort of on, on one end and then you look at people completely on the
0: other end and it's got to be somewhere in the middle right it probably does i mean we cannot accept russia just invading countries but if you think about the historical reasons and us presidents probably from clinton to obama expanding that nato alliance eastward and making the russians sweat because they remember history that is a thing but at the same time you know they they have invaded they have been killing people. Civilians have died as a result of this. But in some ways, the truth is somewhere in between. I don't necessarily, you know, the media says, well, they don't accept, there's no critical thought. There's no going to the source and trying to find out the truth. I I don't, journalism is not what it was a generation or two ago. And so we should question what the media is telling us. And we, we have a right to demand answers from our government. But you know, keep listening to The Midnight Ride. Can I
1: just say before we go into the next segment, I, you know, we're not telling our answers what the, what. I mean, we're not telling our audience what the answer is. No, we're telling them to think. Yeah, we're just telling you to think. Look at both sides, think for yourself, come up with your own conclusion. But at this point, nobody knows. There is no definitive right or wrong here. Everybody has their own interests. Everyone has their own different pieces of information that are that are coming out and there's no black and white to a crisis like this and we're just trying to help you think critically about what you're hearing and realize that there's two sides they both have arguments that in their own mind are valid and uh, the main goal should be to de-escalate this crisis and end the violence somehow and what's best going to do that without causing world war three or anything else of that nature how do we get back to peace so that the Russian people that are innocent can have their lives back, the Ukrainians that are being bombarded mercilessly so that that can come to an end and so that we can get back to peace in Europe. That's that's where we need to go. That's the end game. And
0: I don't hear an end game on either side. Absolutely, I don't. And we have our tax dollars now being spent in a big way over there when we have a lot of problems here. The twenty, The early 20th century, you know, more than 6% of the Earth's population was exterminated in those wars. It was a bad time. And we're headed there right now with these two. Well, it could be war. I mean, with nuclear weapons, it's going to be a lot more than 6%. Look at the revisionist powers that we have in the world that want to rip up the world order. We got to stick together, but we also got to hold our government to account and try to get them to not poke the bear, as it were. And yeah, I mean... You might be surprised, or you're, if you listen to us, you know, we read the New York Times, we read the Washington Post, we also read the paper of record, the New York Post, and we read Glenn Greenwald, and we le- read Zero Hedge, and I mean- Matt Taibbi. Yeah, all of those, you know, Substack stack journalists who, who left the fraternity of some of these establishment, you know, news engines because of- the death of journalism, but there are still real journalists out there, and there are history books. You know, the rise and fall of the great powers. Um, there's a lot of books you can read. Educate yourself and and call your congressman. That's all we can really say. I
1: mean, it's just just continue to read, become a student of history, read all viewpoints.
0: Yeah, I mean, you might understand the motivations of of people like Vladimir Putin and President Xi her, in some of these countries, but when we come back up, uh, uh, I think. Paul Runyon has a glimmer of hope, a piece of good news that is going to help make my weekend a little bit better and and kick off uh, spring break in a good note. So, Paul, uh, after the break, once you kick us off with this story that you found that I think we'll all all like, we'll be right back on the Midnight Run.
1: We are back for our final segment at the Midnight Ride, and I wanted to bring some good news to Connor this week. As you know, we, we're very concerned with the Twitter world. We talk about tweeting all of the time. We talk about Marco Rubio. The Midnight Ride has a very successful Twitter feed uh, at the Midnight Ride Pod, if you're interested, like
0: us. At Midnight Ride Pod. Now, successful in the, in the three weeks that it's been up. You know, we've had a few hundred people follow us. But um, there's a lot of good stuff on there. So please, please follow us. And now let's, let's demonstrate great Twitter. <laughs>
1: yeah. So as we're, you know, we love Twitter, but you know, there was an interesting study that had come out and there were some stats that I saw in a, from Axios. So it's hard to believe this, but 75% of people in the U.S. never tweet. Never. That means zero. So 75% of the people in the U.S. never tweet. It's probably safe to say that... An even larger percentage of people don't tweet regularly. So if you have people that have tweeted, say, once a month or what, they probably that probably doesn't even count. You're probably in the 85 to to 90 percent uh, on an average weeknight in January. Just one percent of U.S. adults watch primetime Fox News. That's 2.2 million. 05 percent uh, turn into MSNBC.
0: How is it that high for them?
1: I know, right? I, it's the low IQ thing. I, you know, as our education system goes down, you've got the number of people watching MSNBC goes up.
0: You know, the other night on MSNBC, I think it was Friday night, they had a guest on there that said Hitler did not kill ethnic Germans. And, you know, a lot of the people that died in the concentration camps spoke German. They identified as Germans. They were born in Germany.
1: And let's be honest, it's not just Jews we're talking about. There were like homosexuals,
0: handicapped, that were all killed. And many of them were, quote, ethnic Germans. But the Jews were German. That's like saying, you know, that Black Lives Matter didn't advocate for Americans. I mean, that's absurd.
1: Exactly. It's just, I know. And it's just crazy what's happened
0: to MSNBC. But that's what you get on, on MSNBC. It's complete woke garbage and racist garbage.
1: I know. But the bright spot here, I think, is that Americans, most of them probably don't take this seriously. I mean, Twitter is as, as much as we like it, it's a toilet bowl. I mean, it, you've got the crazies on either side that are just yelling at each other all day. I mean, that's essentially what's caused this the quote, "Don't say gay bill," and everything else is all. It's all these arguments are just taking place on Twitter. But what we're finding out is three fourths of Americans are probably not even engaging, and it's probably way more than that in reality. And most Americans are not even ninety nine percent plus are not even watching cable news. So what this brings me back to is life is not as it appears on social media and on the news. Life is what you see and you hear around you. It's your friends. It's your colleagues. It's doing good things for others. It's holding the door for someone as you walk into the uh, baseball card trading store, which I'm going to with my son later.
0: What? Yeah. Did you know that? I'm jealous. I mean, you know, I'm a card collector and uh, I wish I was going with you, but, uh, I think we've got a birthday party coming up in a, in a couple of. I know. Well, I'll look. I'll send you if there's you like NBA hoops, right? Yeah, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get some Cade Cunningham rookie cards, but yeah, give me if you can get some NBA hoops or at least tell me how much they are. They're hard to find.
1: I know they are. I'll I'll look and see what he has, but and and let you know. But the they open in uh let's we're recording. When do they open I'm, I'm trying to think. It's a little while. We're recording a little early this week. The reality is that that what, I, what I'm trying to explain with my whole my whole piece here is just don't pay too much attention to Twitter. And As much as Connor likes to tell you to, to look at Twitter all the time, like just focus on your family, focus on your life, focus on good things. And most American people are nice. And maybe there is a real silent majority out there that doesn't get so spun up. Connor and I were having a conversation the other day and I was telling him that on nights when I watch... Rachel Maddow or Tucker Carlson, and believe it or not, I do go back and forth and watch both, that it gets my heart rate up and I have trouble sleeping. And I don't think that that's healthy for anybody. And I don't think I'm the only person that has that issue.
0: You know, you really touched on something. There have been studies done, and these studies show an inverse correlation between time spent on social media and general happiness and well being. And so I am encouraged by this news that you put out there because. As the pandemic has certainly shifted, right? I mean, I was at the grocery store last night buying milk and I saw on one of the one gallon or half gallon milk cartons the, f- the face of Anthony Fauci. Have you seen me? We're, we've taken off our masks and just, you know, the simple things, like you said, holding the door open for anybody and saying, hey, good morning, and, and them saying, hey, thank you. And just, interaction with others, as, as another thing you said, is helping other people. There's nothing that brings you more joy than doing something for others. And so social interaction, going out to the park, going out for a walk, reading a book, reading a good novel, going to church, playing sports, watching your kids play sports, being outside, all of those things make you happier. Don't forget going to the baseball card store. Going to the baseball card shop. But the fellowship of the miserable that you find on Twitter, and listen, if you're on Twitter, follow us at Midnight Ride Pod. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> but listen, I'm not saying go on Twitter. I'm just saying if you're on, follow us. Because, you know, that's another way to, to get our, our show and hear what we think about issues. And we, we will direct you to various news items that are worth following, but get, yeah, get off of all that stuff. You know, when
1: we do this podcast, as much as you and I have our views and we're just political junkies because that's just how we grew up and we like it and we're passionate. This podcast to me, and we're so blessed that it's become so successful, but it has, it's very cathartic to me. I mean, I just love to do these recordings with you and it allows me to vent, allows me to get things off my chest you know, we, for, I think when we first started this podcast, as I mentioned, we used to have these phone conversations, you and I that yeah. went on for hours. That was the these genesis things. of this. Exactly. That's what started it. And it just made me feel so good to be able to talk about this, get things off my chest, you know, as you get so uh, watching the media and watching social media and getting, you know, having all this angst come up, it's great to be able to do this.
0: Well, and it's also great to know that people think like us, right? I mean, it is. There are people out there that love the podcast, they think like us. Remember last week when you try, put water in your gas tank and you were late to the taping and it delayed our episode. Our episode actually did not post at midnight. It, it posted at about noon. And we had a we had a uh, a listener from Florida, you know, hit us up on DM and say, "Hey, uh, are you guys doing a show this week?" that was via social media that that interaction occurred. So there are people out there that have that same sort of listening to us is, is sort of like therapy.
1: Exactly. So we like that. And, and I think therapy too is to just tune out all the noise, right. That you're hearing.
0: I agree, but let's be honest, Paul. I mean, the re- another reason we did this podcast and the reason it's called the midnight ride is we are trying to sound the alarm on a lot of things now. So there's a middle ground there all of these people who are enjoying their lives and we know that leftists are they're miserable human beings and they're trying to make other people miserable that's why why do they like why do they like cats so much i don't want to i don't want to start a war with cat lovers but but why do you know with the transgender and, and stuff like that they're trying to bring other people into their fold not because they're happy cuz they're miserable but you you know you see a lot of people who are miserable Misery loves company. That didn't come from nowhere. That's right. Misery loves company. So, but you have all these people that, that you're talking about, the 75%, the silent majority, they're living their lives and enjoying the simple things in life and they don't understand what's going on and how insidious some of this stuff is. That's why we started this podcast. So, you know, when I talk to my mom, when you talk to your mom, when we talk to just people out there, you know, talk to my older daughter, people, they have no idea about some of this stuff going on with trans- transgenderism. No, they have no idea what's going on in the streets in our cities.
1: No. And the risk, the risk is what's pro- what the problem is, is that now that these small minorities on social media have been able to influence policy so much, we're seeing so much of these extreme political positions now make their way into the, the minds of the policymakers. And then you've got and which ends up being completely out of touch with the majority of the American people, and I think that's why the midterms are going to be a real surprise and a wake-up call to people
0: coming up. Yeah, so we're not saying. In fact, you know, I, I think I have the solution because you know we have a lot of folks that really don't know what's going on. Our listeners are not those folks. They they know what's going on, and and you know that's why they're listening to us. But get off. If you want to just get off Twitter, get off Instagram. I pray to God you're not on TikTok. But just follow the Midnight Ride and you're good. That's all, that's all you need. And then the rest of the time, enjoy life. Stay out of the cesspool that is Twitter. Follow us at, at midnight ride Pod. Don't forget
1: to give us five, five stars and smash the like button.
0: <laughs> and with that, we'll close it out. If you, if you like the Midnight Ride, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Spotify. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and uh, keep listening. We, We really enjoyed this discussion. Question everything that you hear and educate yourself. Paul, close us out. Any final thoughts? Give us a five star review and smash that like button. <laughs> Follow us at at Midnight Ride Pod on Twitter with that. Make sure you get you
1: set up alerts on your phone for every single Midnight Ride tweet that comes through.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, there's notifications you can get for that as well. And with that we'll we'll join you next week on the Midnight Ride podcast. Have a great week everybody.